welcome to a special episode of the Fulcrum Radio Show. I'm your host, Damian Piper. The Fulcrum is the University of Ottawa's legendary English newspaper, produced on the University of Ottawa campus in downtown Ottawa, the capital city of the north, on the Great Turtle Island. On the Fulcrum Radio Show, we have regularly been covering issues related to the City of Ottawa's official plan. We have talked extensively about green spaces, urban density, the current state of architecture, and many other issues, of course, from politics to paleontology. A few months ago, we brought you an investigative series called The Ottawa Beaver Killings, chronicling the city of Ottawa's trapping of beavers across the Ottawa Valley. A common thread that we found running throughout that series was tree loss. And that brings us to the reason we're here today. This is a story about the Hunt Club Forest. Now to provide some quick context, Hunt Club is a road in the south of Ottawa that runs east to west and spans the city. The Hunt Club Forest is close to the airport. In fact, it's so close to the airport that it is kind of their property. Of course, the Ottawa MacDonald Cartier International Airport and its land is owned by the Crown. And as an international travel point, that part of the Crown would be the Ministry of Transportation. So that pretty well is the context, and that brings us to our story. Hunt Club Road runs along South Ottawa, east to west. The boundaries of the forest are airport property, Right next to the forest is Otto's BMW dealership on Hunt Club Road. That's Otto, like O-T-T-O. The dealership put in a development application to buy some of the forest so they could extend their parking lot and park a few more BMWs out there. And Mark LaRoche, the president of the airport authority, has been public about his intention to sell the forest. So that's the setup. So I went out to the Hunt Club Forest to speak with some people who really care about this issue. And that's where this story starts. There is a video portion of this story as well, where we have some great visuals and we meet some of the people involved in today's story. The special thank you to a cross-institutional project between the Fulcrum from the University of Ottawa and Algonquin College's television broadcasting program. So let's head out to the Hunt Club Forest where this story begins. Where are we right now? This is what we call the Hunt Club Forest. This is a um, pr- predominantly or initially a red pine plantation from approximately 60 years ago which has been used by our neighborhood as our community park, unofficially. It's federal government land, it's owned by the people of Canada, and for generations, literally, kids have been playing in here, dogs have been walked in here, people ride their bikes in here, or just go for a walk or do some bird feature, uh, watching. We have, it has become our community park. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what's your name? My name is Mike Vorobey. Mike Vorobey? Yes. And what's your name? Jennifer Day. Jennifer Day. And how long have either of you been coming to this park? I started coming here uh, when the pandemic began. I live in the neighborhood, but I rarely came in. There is a fence along Hunt Club, which I thought actually didn't allow people inside. But I started coming in here uh, when the pandemic started, exploring my neighborhood a bit more. And that's when I discovered this these woods, which I'd always seen. For my whole life, I've lived in Ottawa South, so the trees have always been here. But I didn't know about the diversity of life in the woods and the, and the different species that were growing there. That's something I discovered a couple of years ago now. And how about you? 
Uh, well, I don't live in this neighborhood, but I was following the Fairy Creek scene very closely, and then this sort of cropped up on Facebook, uh, and that's June. So we've been at this since June, coming out here trying to defend this forest, and uh, I didn't actually know it was a forest. So to be honest, I understand why people drive by and think it's just a bunch of, you know, skinny trees. But it isn't. You walk in there and it's quite magical. And just after really examining it, you see that there's a lot more richness to it. And you know what? Trees alone, doesn't matter if they're skinny or fat, are well worth something. They're, they're, they're cleaning the air. The airport's right behind this. Dumping constant pollution. Hunt Club Road, constant pollution. So these trees are working overtime. Right. Now, what is the risk here? Where, uh, who wants, what's going to happen? Does somebody, they want to develop this land or sell it? This land is under the control of the Ottawa International Airport Authority. The the airport authority was created in the mid-1990s. It's something akin to a crown corporation. The land is owned by the federal government of Canada. Specifically, what we're looking at is the Ministry of Transport owned land. When the Ottawa International Airport Authority was created, they were given a mandate. They were given, quote-unquote, surplus land along Hunt Club Road, along the airport parkway, along Uplands Drive. They were given this land as a second source of revenue. But the only way for them to get revenue from it is by destroying the forest, cutting down the trees, and developing it as you see this large print shop behind us. This was once part of the forest, and this is on a long-term lease with the airport authority. Our primary and basic view is that that 1990s mandate for the airport authority is out of date. It's not in keeping with climate change targets, climate change policies, policies of reforestation, of protecting forest canopies, both in the wilderness areas of Canada as well as the urban forest. It's totally out of sync with the times. Our view is the minister, Omar Gabra and the cabinet need to review this mandate for our airport uh, land this air, this forest, but also all the other forests. We have much more mature forests as well along the airport parkway, and they're all at risk. If you go on the airport's website, you'll see all kinds of mock-ups of potential commercial development. I would, I would remind people, for example, that the EY Centre right now, that was a forest. That big building in that massive parking lot just a few years ago was a forest. Habitat to the animals that populate the area, cleaning the air. All of this land is up for grabs if that mandate is not changed. Who, who's the city councillor here? City councillor, we're actually bordering two wards. So Riley Brockenden is the councillor, and then Diane, Diane Deeds is the councillor on the other side of the woods. So it's really a shared interest because we have communities on both sides of Hunt Club Road, south and north side. We're all fighting together. We have all been fighting together since last June to keep these forests down because we're the primary users of these of these woods for recreational purposes. Have you seen any support from the, any of the councillors? Riley Brogdon and Diane Deans, particularly Riley Brogdon, has been extremely supportive. He's done everything he possibly can at the council level. He has a motion going to council very soon. We can discuss that later, but that's for the municipal end to protect the land. But we have to remind ourselves, this is federal land. And on the federal level, we have to say, David McGinty, the MP for Ottawa South, has not returned a single piece of correspondence since the election, not even acknowledged it. We haven't had a phone conversation. He refuses to even meet with us. We have 20,000 signatures on our petition. We have clear community support. We're out here six days a week. The community is behind us, constantly thanking us for what we're doing in terms of protecting these woods. We need federal engagement. 
uh, MP McGinty should be spearheading the path to Omar Al-Gabra and the other cabinet ministers that need to make the decision on the future of this airport land because it's federal land. But we're, we're very glad that, uh, that Riley Brogdon at the municipal level continues to do everything he can do on this file. Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, let's go in the floor. This is Zoe and Carolyn. Hi, hi, I'm Damien. Yeah. Hi, Carolyn. Yeah, are you okay if I record? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm fine with that. Can I just get your name? Uh, my name is Carolyn Ewers. And your name? Zoe Pominville. Zoe Pominville. Uh, and how long have you uh, been coming to the forest? So I've been coming to the forest. I've lived here for about six years. So over that time, I've been coming to the forest. And yeah. yourself? Um, I've lived around the street from this forest for about a year, and I've been like out here with them for nine months, eight months. Yeah, you cool. have to understand everything on the front end. Again, you'll see these pine trees right here. Mm-hmm. So this is all part of the airport authority's land, quote unquote. Everything up here is up for development. You go farther down, it's just deciduous trees. That's DND. They have they don't have any plans to develop. I don't think they have any interest in developing it. But this is all up for grabs. And this you have to remember the woods used to go all the way down Hunt Club Road. All this area used to be wood. So we've lost a massive percentage of the red pine forest already. Mm-hmm. Just if I could point something out to you quickly, you can see so these are the red pines that were planted, but you can see right beside them, um, maple tree, there's a beech tree. There's a, uh, here's, see, here's a beach. They still have the leaves on them, right? Um, you've got oak trees in here. We'll spot some. Again, the spruce. The, the, we've got three species of pine. We've got white pine and the Scots pine. So th- it's diversifying itself. It's becoming a real forest again. Mm-hmm. That's the process that we, are want, we want this to. We know there's few areas where a few unhealthy trees would have to come down, but that creates light. Wherever there's light getting in, the new trees are growing. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm just saying. Even now, with all the leaves off the trees, there's a lot of diversity is still quite quite evident just to look around. Mm. And and that's that. This place can have a great future if it's if it's allowed to survive. So, do all of you you mostly focus on uh, this park? Does anybody else have their? You, Mike, you were saying you uh, spend. You work with the central experimental farmer on those issues as well. Sorry, I, I couldn't Sorry, I guess I'm uh, yeah talking I, away. I, I'm from helping you. out with Reimagine Ottawa as well because that's a, that is an outrageous and preposterous, just vandalistic act to put uh, put a to build a hospital in the, uh, on you know a farm that was established in the 1880s. The you know it's Ottawa's equivalent to the you know central, uh, or pardon me to the uh, Central Park in New York or Hyde Park in London or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, those are there are many old trees in there and beautiful open green spaces. It's the same kind of short-term thinking. The rhetoric we live with today is very modern. It's all about climate change and changing our ways and all sorts of reducing carbon footprints. But in in reality, we're in a 1950s development model. Yeah. Fresh air is not valued. Green space is not valued. It's just a real estate deal waiting to happen. That's all it is. It's it's money on somebody's uh, somebody's bank account. Mm-hmm. So the two uh, the two the two issues have some parallels. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. doesn't have a history of the experimental firm. Quite again, these trees are about sixty years old, but nonetheless, it's the potential here. Mm-hmm. And again, we've got the we've got these. No, no disrespect to the people. They're just trying to earn a living in that print shop over there. But it's an eyesore compared to having a living forest here. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's a perfect warning. Everything will look like that if it's allowed to. Yeah. 
And don't forget there's a creek down here with living animals in it as well, Hunt Club Creek, not very well known, but it's, we're approaching it. And there's ducks and frogs and things that live in there and herons and all kinds of things. So we have everything in place. We have a 60 year head start on having a real natural forest here again. Woodpeckers in this area as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jen is our resident photo uh, photographer. So she got some really great shots of them. So we've, like, uh, and what else have you, Jen, seen lots? What else have you seen, Jen? We have, we have an account on iNaturalist with just like, probably hundreds of photos of just different kinds of life forms in this forest. It's not as mixed yet as it will be one day. But, you know, you're going to see lots of microorganisms, uh, like she said, the pileated woodpeckers, there's finches, chickadees, nuthatches, the ducks. Um, there's plovers, I think, is what I saw one day in the creek. Um, squirrels, I mean. Wow. But things live in here. Rich biodiversity. And, and who are we to come yeah. along and say that they don't deserve to have a home and they don't deserve to live? I just constantly imagine what it must feel like to be a creature and along come all these great big bulldozers and they just basically decimate your home and rip up whatever's under the ground and we're very short-sighted thinking that it's all about the dollar signs and especially in these times when in 2019 the city and the country declared climate emergencies so what are the steps forward here you can't declare those things and then just sit back and have some popcorn like you have to do something about it Mm -hmm. so we're demanding that they do something about it. But it's, you know, falling on some deaf ears. It's going slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very slow, considering we have uh, less than six weeks. The threat is that in six weeks, if there is not some kind of money on the table, this forest is destroyed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Here, these are just a little patch of white pines. How did they get here? Or white, white spruce, pardon me. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of daylight here because there's a pathway. The trees are able to germinate. There's a little half a dozen white spruce that have just sort of spontaneously appeared in the middle of our red pine forest. I know a lot of people don't really know the difference between different tree species. They kind of look the same. But, I mean, two white uh, red pine parents cannot have a white spruce baby, just, just to put that on the record. This, uh, the cone was brought in here by a squirrel or something or blew off a tree or whatever. And there's a little, again, diversity, a little group of different species not the ones that were planted. Mm-hmm. And it's all over It's all over the woods. Again, you don't see a lot of them now because the leaves are off. It's harder to identify some of the younger trees. But you can see here, it's all younger trees between these pines. Maybe they're maples, maybe they're poplars, they're different things. But, uh, but again, here's a little, just a little encampment of white, white, uh, white spruce that have appeared among the red pines. Regardless of whether it's mixed or not, this is still life. This is still carbon-sucking machinery at work. So it needs to be respected. It's just tree upon tree in rows. They're not respected right here. But artists, photographers, they respect that. You know, there's beauty. You just have to look for it. This is a white pine over here. It's about 20 years old, roughly. You can tell by the annual growth intervals here. But I'm just saying, it's a white pine. You can see finer needles, paler green compared to the big, long, thick needles on the red. But just how did it get here? Something dropped, somebody dropped a pine cone here. And as I say, it's about 20 years old. It's established here by itself. The forest, another example, just the diverse, diverse life that's coming in here, recolonizing land. Of course, this would have been an old growth forest before the settlers came here. Once upon a time, everything was an old growth forest. I imagine this was a farm for a period of time. It's had all kinds of uses, perhaps associated with the airport. 
But once you leave the trees alone, remember, these were just scrawny little six-inch seedlings, these pines here, when they were planted, right? But you just walk away from them for 60 years, and then you come back to this. Bigger trees from what you, uh, the, the ones that you planted, of course, but all these other species have found a home because these, the needles that fall off the pine trees year after year, they've enriched the soil. This is very sandy, very, very poor quality soil. That's why they plant the red pine, because it can grow in poor soil. But all those years of deposits into the, into the, the forest floor, have, they've, they've made the soil richer enough for other species to now come in. And as I say, this wasn't planted by anybody. No one would have planted a white pine a foot and a half from a red pine. It was just the, the, uh, the seed just got dropped there somehow. But it's doing just fine. You know, this tree, if it's left alone, can grow to be 150 feet tall someday. It's the big, the white pine's the biggest species in this part of the world, in this part of Ontario. Again, but it has to be left alone, not just bulldozed over. Right, and and what would you say the, the state of the health of the red pines is right now? They're not ready to come down, right? We've had two foresters in here. Um, we had a, a ministry of a federal ministry of natural resources forester came come in here. Not on a formal basis. He was invited. On his day off, he came and walked with us for a few hours in the summer. There are definitely some unhealthy trees. There are some examples where it could be thinned out. That's not an issue. But despite the fact the forest has been neglected, there are actually very many very healthy red pines. I say that's of the original red pine planting. None of them are actually in very good shape. But despite the fact that the forest was never managed as a forest, it's basically been left to its own devices for all these years. My point is that we have the potential here. We have the head start here for the future. And in, in many cases, nature is doing its the job for us. And you will see a few unhealthy red pines here or there. That, we, we recognize that. We're not, we're not claiming this place is perfect, but the potential is there. One or two places get thinned out. You plant a few different species on the, on the floor. Then you've got more diversity. And again, they also need the, the sunlight. We're by a pathway here. That's why these other young trees are able to grow here, because there's a little break in the forest canopy. They can germinate as seeds and start getting a foothold and start growing. In, in other parts where it's a little bit more dense, there's fewer young trees. So we're not against some management of this forest, but we've got lots of healthy trees from the original planting and all sorts coming along. And you yeah. know what? We pride ourselves seven months of peaceful protesting. Michael and Carolyn are out here every day except for Sunday. And then, you know, and then there's a, there's a core group of us that come out two, three times a week. But they're here every day. You come every day. Every well, six days a week. Yeah. I'm out here. They take Sunday off. To yeah, we take one day off a week. <laughs> Why do you come every day? Well, I come, I come for for the environment. Um, I come for myself. I love forests. I've always enjoyed camping, and I love having trees and forests in the city and I think they're very important um, I'm a mother of a six-year-old boy who's very rambunctious and he needs to be out he needs to be among trees he, trees are healing uh, they help us they help our mental with our mental health uh, they allow us to breathe and in cities green spaces are very important um, and our government just declared a climate emergency, but then they're cutting down all our green spaces, putting our lives at risk. Um, so that's why I'm here every day. Like, I feel very passionate about this, and everybody in our group is very passionate. So it's a great group of people to work with. So Yeah, and yeah. How, do, how do you feel that the response has been like from 
authority figures or representatives? Um, so it hasn't been great as well. The airport authority, it's been horrible. And we're just seen as nuisances. So I don't even think he's taking us seriously when we talk about it's good for our community and the environment. I think they're just looking at the bottom dollar. Uh, they're looking at this, the money that they're going to make. Um, as for like our MP, like uh, David McGinty, I don't think, I think he's just thinking about money as well. I, and that's why he's completely ignoring us. He met with us before the election, but we called him. He returned our phone calls. True story. So, but this was before the election. So I think he was maybe looking for our vote a little bit. Uh, but now we haven't heard from him. So he has no interest in helping us. Um, it's kind of sad because we people think we need money to live, but in fact, <laughs> it's trees that are keeping us alive. And I know we do need money as well, so that's why uh, we're, we're willing to work with the airport. Maybe find other land that they that we could swap, um, other ways that they could make money off the forest. Um, uh, just, but it, I think the most important thing is the community, um, the environment. Um, our future and being a mother I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that he's my son's gonna have kids and then they're gonna have kids so this is like for generations and generations these trees could be helping and being a place that lots of people come to yeah yeah so I just yeah I just feel yeah like this is very important do you folks have any chance uh or anything that is unique to this forest any sayings like oh like, I don't know like is a, that a stupid like a catchphrase yeah like a catchphrase <laughs> it's, our, our thing is save hunt club forest save hunt club yeah. forest save hunt club forest everybody knows yeah. us yeah. Yeah, save okay. hunt club forest we hang out on the side of the road and we dance and we wave signs and it's a, just a, an impression but we're not far from hunt club road at all but we're in a totally different world as soon as you walk into this woods that's one of the busiest roads in Ottawa as soon as you walk into these woods you, it's it's a the, your experience is, is different and you know I'm not sure what the others have said but we if anyone who uses the NCC Greenbelt trails that run Ottawa knows that they're four or five times as busy now as they were before the pandemic started people just need a safe outdoor place to go these places have become much more valuable to us. The foresight that was exhibited in setting up the Greenbelt in the 50s and 60s is now paying off for everybody these places should be valued. Again, there's a list as long as your arm of federal government policies that should protect this forest under any circumstances. Our issue is just connecting with the federal government so someone pays attention to this file. The airport, again, needs a new mandate. They need to be supported. There's a crisis in the travel industry. We accept that. But the way to finance airports is not by clear-cutting forests. You know, that is not sustainable. And again, if you have time to explore on the airport park, etc., there's even older and more mature forests. They're all slated for destruction because that is the airport land under the airport's control. And if the airport is not going to be able to develop the land, then the federal government needs to understand, OK, support them in another way, for example. But again, we have urban policy uh, urban forest policies and all kinds of other forest policies and greenhouse gas mitigating policies. But we need some action here. Tell me about the protest and the actions that uh, you're doing right now. How long have they been going on and what are you doing today? So we've been doing this for seven months. We come out on Hunt Club Road. Um, Michael and Carolyn would be here every morning except for a Sunday morning. Uh, during the summer, I'm a teacher, so I was able to come and join them most days in the summertime. But then when school went back, I was able to 
coming uh, an evening and a Saturday, but every Saturday at 3 o'clock we come out and we peacefully protest. We just remind people that it isn't safe and that we still continue to be on guard for this forest and that it needs it needs people to stand up for it. And so that's what we're here to do. Cool. We're speaking for the trees. What's so important about the forest? There's animals living in it. There are animals here? What, are you, what is your favorite part of the forest? Well, I love What's your name? Fallon Bray, and I love walking down the forest and seeing squirrels and chipmunks and stuff like that. And there's a lot of wildlife here, and it's fun. You can bike down here, walk down here, do a lot of stuff here. Yeah, and what about you? Do you guys have any favorite? What's your name? Callum. Callum? And what's your name? Avonlyn. Avonlyn? Avonlyn. Avonlyn? And do you have a favorite uh, animal that you see in the forest? Uh, Squirrels. Squirrels? Chipmunks. Chipmunks? Foxes. I know there's You've seen foxes here? Yes. Oh, wow. I changed my mind to foxes. I saw a fox before. You saw a fox before? Yeah. Here in this forest? Uh, No, in Nova Scotia. In Nova Scotia. Yeah. Oh, okay. You saw a fox in Nova Scotia. But you saw one here? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very Is there anything else you want to say? Not really. No? Nothing. That's all? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Don, what's your name? Don Pace. Don Pace. Pace. Yep. Don, uh, what are you doing here? Um, I've lived in the community for about 45 years, and the forest has always been here. It just doesn't make any sense to me that people would want to cut the trees down. Just doesn't uh, In this day and age, with the climate change and all those things going on, it just, I just, I just don't understand it just so i got involved uh, because i uh i don't agree with what uh, what what these guys were planning to do you know so doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense to me at all just for revenue purposes uh you know when are they gonna understand there's a crisis so carolyn uh, is there what would you like to say have everybody know about this forest I would like people to know that forests are important, uh, very important for uh, people's mental health. And I think it's also important that they, that forests be in people's communities, close to where people are living. Uh, so they, so everybody in that community has access to a forest instead of having to drive because people might not have transportation. And I don't think people realize how how good forests are for your mental health when you go into a forest and just take a deep breath being in there uh, can do wonders for stress Uh, it could even maybe lessen or eliminate the need for medication and especially during covid there's been a lot of people having mental health issues so having forests around has helped a lot of people thank you and to add to that i think that as carolyn was saying it's it's an equity issue if you start taking away forests in urban neighborhoods, then you're making that an equity issue. I mean, people with means can drive anywhere and get to wooded areas at any time. Children who live in these neighborhoods don't always have access, and so they should have access. So that's, that's something to be thought about when politicians are talking about these major issues. Memories are being made in this forest every day, and we need to keep that going. We need to protect these trees. We need to save Hunt Club Forest. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. We appreciate you coming. Yeah. No, it's been my pleasure. I hope you found some magic in the forest today. Yeah, absolutely. I think you got enough first words with me. So, yeah. Give me, <laughs> Any last words? Any last words? I would urge anybody listening to this 
broadcast to get in touch with their MP. This is federal government land. Doesn't matter if you live in Ottawa South or any other riding. This is the airport authority. Is, is Their operations are on federal land. We own it, and we have a right to have a say in its future. Let's stop making the same dumb mistakes. Let's stop cutting down forests. Airport, it's not sustainable for airports to be relying on clearing forests as their, as their core part of their financial strategy going forward. This needs to end. Thank you, Mike. You're very welcome. Thank you. Club Forest, join us in this fight. Or you could be a forest near you, so you need to stand up and say something because this is cropping up more than you think. Talk to your neighbors. You're going to find out that there's little pieces of land in every neighborhood in Ottawa and Canada, Ferry Creek, uh, that are at risk. And, and the politicians are not listening. And the only way they're going to listen is if we stand up and say it loud and proud. So it's time. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to everyone involved in this week's show. Special thank you to Violet Mon, Keegan Knight, Romano DeFranco, and Alicia Bedore in a joint collaboration between the Fulcrum Radio Show and Algonquin's television broadcasting program. <laughs> Music and sound design by Cameron Rankin. You've been listening to the Fulcrum Radio Show. I'm your host, Damian Piper. See you soon.